Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. This is my favorite week to come to church. And this week and next week, this victory, this this, uh, holy week that we're starting this week, starting with Palm Sunday, you can be seated. because I'm just reminded of of this victory march today that Jesus did when he came into Jerusalem and the townspeople, they waved these palm branches and said, Hosanna, and they were worshiping him and he had this victorious march into Jerusalem and and it was this triumphant entry that we always hear about. And this week I've been thinking about this message and what Palm Sunday means and and I started to realize that it it's a lot like the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. They had this triumphant march out of Egypt where they had victory and God was doing this awesome things. And I remember when Jesus was moving into Jerusalem tied on the back of a donkey, they untied a donkey and brought it to him and on the back of this colt he was tied, he, he marched into Jerusalem and the people were out there waving palm branches and worshiping him. And they said, tell, your, tell these people to be quiet. And he said, if these people are quiet, then the rocks themselves will cry out and worship me. And in that moment, the, the rocks had an opportunity to worship if they didn't worship. And it, it reminds me of when the Israelites came out of Egypt and the water had a chance to worship. Do you remember that? When Moses put his staff in the water and the water said, this is our moment, this is our time. And there was a triumphant entry into the wilderness. And, and then the Israelites, they spent 40 years walking around the wilderness because they wouldn't submit to God's plan in the next level and the next step that he had for them. And what it took them 40 years to complete, Jesus came into Jerusalem and in four days he submitted to the Father and said, not my will, but your will be done. And then he had to go through some hard things and he had to go in, and victory didn't come easy, right? There was a battle. Just like when the Israelites moved into, finally, after 40 years in the wilderness, they moved into their destiny, the promised land, and there was a war. There was a battle waiting for them. But I, I just believe this morning that what God has for our lives, there's some of us this morning who are still in bondage in Egypt. I believe that God wants to bring deliverance to your life, that you can have a triumphant entry into the next level, the next thing God has for you, salvation, and you can walk out. But I believe the majority of people here, you've probably known Jesus for a while, and you're stuck in the wilderness. And I believe there's, there's a place that God wants to take us, and that's what, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. But many times in our life, rather than walking into the promised land, we get up right next to the edge of what God has for us, and then we turn back. And so I want to talk to you about that this morning, along with uh, this sermon we've been preaching that's leading up to Easter. Next week, we're starting a new series for Easter. It's called Jesus Is. And next week, I'm, I'm excited about what God has uh, for Easter for us. I hope you'll invite some people and be here with us to, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to uh, read some verses from Joshua chapter 1 this morning, verse 1 through 3, along the series, like I said, last month on this level. And the title of my message this morning is Rent to Own. Rent to Own. Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. That's a powerful promise, right? He said, everywhere you set your foot, I'm going to give it to you. It's yours. Can I ask you this morning, how many of you hate moving? Am I the only one? Does anybody else hate moving? I'm telling you, 
Like, I hate it with a passion. Like, I think hell might be like an eternal state of moving. Like, unpack, pack it, unpack it, pack it. Like, oh, that's hell. I don't know. But kidding, hell is much worse than that. But I hate moving. I just want you to understand that. That's why I don't even own a pickup truck. Because every time you own a pickup truck, everybody wants your help moving. Can I get an amen? Um, I, don't, I, mean, I, don't even, I don't even like to to ask people to, to help me move. The last time someone asked me to help them move, I didn't talk to them for about six months. I'm telling you, I went into hiding and hibernation. I said, I got a new phone, I, who dis, you know, and I don't, and uh, I don't like helping. But the worst is when people ask you to help them move and you're being a really good friend and you're being Christ-like, you're gonna serve, you're going, you go over there and they haven't even gotten done packing. You ever help someone like that? And you're like, what can I move? They're like, oh, just start packing the kitchen. You're like... Seriously? Let's make a weekend out of it. But, but I hate it. I hate people. I hate asking people to move. But how many of you know you find out who your real friends are when it's time to move? When it's time to move, who's going to come and help me carry my couch? If you won't carry my couch, you don't really love me. You don't, you don't care about me. But I've realized when I live a place for a long time, I accumulate a lot of stuff and it makes moving a pain. But I need you to know this morning, if you want to move into the new thing, there's some old things that you need to get rid of first. Every time I move, I do like a purging. My wife hates it because she's a hoarder. I always tell her she should be on the show, Hoarders. If I ever pass away, you better watch. She's going to be on that show someday. But the truth is, nobody really wants to change. We're all pretty comfortable right where we are. Like, girls, you, you love a new pair of shoes, but let's be honest, you always keep that comfortable pair that's broken in real nearby. Because we like to be comfortable. Or, or, guys, how many of you have a spot on the couch or in a chair that you like to sit? Like, there is like a, a shape of your butt on that couch right where you sit. And, and you don't, we, we, want, we don't really even want a new couch because I'm comfortable right here. This is my spot. And we, we get that way. And, and another thing is when we want to take a vacation, I always, we all need a vacation. But when I go to a hotel, can I tell you, I really miss my bed. Like I want to get away, but when I get away, I'm still thinking, ah, oh, I'm just comfortable where I normally am. And there's a, there's a degree of comfort that comes with that. And we live that way with life because new things are awesome, but people love old stuff and they're comfortable where they are. And we can, we can see that in our relationship with God sometimes. God tells Joshua in these verses, I need you to get ready to cross over the Jordan River. You're going to receive all the promises that I've promised to the people of Israel, that I promised to Moses, all the promises of Abraham. You're about to receive everything. You're right on the verge of it. You're standing on this side of the Jordan. You're about to move into the other side of these 40 years that you've been wandering the wilderness. Get ready because I'm about to take you to the next level. Get ready because we're about to go to the next place, to the destiny and the calling I have for my people, Israel. And he's standing there. But in order to receive something, they had to move. They had to cross over something. They had to cross over the Jordan River. And I need you to know this morning that reaching the promises of God requires moving. It requires you moving. It's time to get away from some things that you've been doing and experience the next thing that God has for you. But we're so comfortable. Sometimes we don't do that uh, very willingly. I know for myself personally, I spent years living in apartments, and I don't have any issue with apartments. It's great, but the real desire of my heart was to live in a house, but I got very comfortable renting an apartment. 
Like I thought, who needs grass? I got this, this concrete porch. It's awesome. And you know what? I got a pool and we got a gym, right? And if something breaks, I just call the landlord comes and fixes it. I don't got to worry about any of these things. And I, got, and I got so comfortable in that. Do you know that you can rent so long that you can actually talk yourself out of owning anything? I rented so long that I downplayed the thing that I really wanted. Do you know that in your relationship with God, you can be lukewarm so long that you actually talk yourself out of your ministry and your calling? You can get so comfortable that you can date so many people that you can actually talk yourself out of marriage. You can, you can get so addicted and be so addicted so long that you talk yourself into thinking, I'm okay, I don't have a problem. You see, we get comfortable. You can get so hurt by religion for so long that you talk yourself out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can get so broken that you push away every person that wants a relationship with you in your life when really the desire of your heart is for a relationship, but you're pushing away the very thing you're talking yourself out of it because you're so comfortable in your dysfunction. You see, we get so used to where we are, we don't even think about moving into what we really want. And that's what happens when we get this thing that, that I feel like the Israelites had. They had a renter's mentality. They didn't really own anything. They just lived in the wilderness for 40 years and they got comfortable. Think about the way that you treat something that you rented over something that you own. You ever heard the expression, drive it like a rental? That doesn't mean take care of it. That's not what that means. That doesn't mean like be careful and uh, take good care of it. No, it, because it has no value because I don't own it. So put the pedal to the metal and take corners like I'm a NASCAR driver and do everything I can. Or another one is how you treat a hotel versus how you treat your house. You know what I mean? You go to the hotel and you take a shower at your house. You're yelling at your kids, hang those towels back up. That's not how those towels go. In the hotel, you're throwing it by the toilet. You don't even care. They're going to bring you new ones. You're jumping on the bed if you're weird like that. You're, you even leave the lights on. At your house, you, leave, you lose your mind, Dad, if the lights are left on. Like, who left the light on? At the hotel, you leave the AC on like 69 all day while you're gone. You come back. You know why? Because you don't own it. You don't got to worry about it. If something breaks, it's not your problem. See, when I rent, I'm careless, but when I own something, I'm careful because it's mine. And when you live your life with a renter's mentality and just getting comfortable where you are, actually, you, the issues you cause end up being someone else's problem. Like, oh, I'm just, it's just the, the landlord has to take care of it. I don't know, it broke again. But when you own something, it's about handling it maturely and moving into it and owning it and saying, this is mine. This is what I have promised to me. And some of you are stuck on one level because you've carelessly handled all of your issues and they become someone else's. You see, and the Israelites understood this. They, their issues were God's issues. When, when they were hungry, God sent them manna to eat. They didn't have to feed themselves. This was God's issue. They get comfortable. I don't have to go out and do anything. God just feeds me every day and takes care of me. And that's great for that season, but sometimes it's time to take ownership of our life, our mistakes, and our calling and say, you know what? It's not going to be that way anymore. I'm moving into everything God has for me, and I'm going to take ownership. You see, I had this renter's mentality until I had kids. It didn't really matter until all of a sudden we were getting ready to have kids, and I was like, I need a yard. These kids need some stability. I wanted to move into a house. It became a desire of my heart. In the end, a renter's mentality left me with nothing. 
but I wanted to own something. It was when my mind was off myself and I began to think about other people that I actually moved into everything God has for me. Can I tell you when your relationship with God is about you, you're going to spend your whole life in the wilderness with a renter's mentality, not understanding that there's a bigger picture that the church, that your family, that this city needs you to fully surrender your gifts to God and walk into the anointing and the calling and the destiny that he has for you because it's bigger than you and it's not about you. But you got to take your eyes off you. The Israelites couldn't do it. They had this renter's mentality. Joshua was their leader at this time. It says Moses had just passed away. Joshua was the new guy. He stepped in and they spent 40 years walking around the wilderness because they got used to this renting lifestyle. They got used to this wilderness lifestyle. It's okay. We'll just live in tents and we'll pack it up and we'll move again. And we got the tabernacle of Moses. He just put up a tent. We'll worship God in the tent and, and we don't really need to own anything. We'll just keep doing this and God will keep feeding us. And if I'm an Israelite, I read the story and I think, why not trust God after all the miracles he'd already done? God took us supernaturally out of Egypt by parting the Red Sea so we could walk through. He led us by day with with. A cloud and by night with fire. He led us through the desert. He's been taking care of us this whole time. He's been evident to us. Let's read Numbers chapter 13, verse 27 and 28. It says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. He'd sent in some spies to check out the promised land before they'd moved in. They, they were still in the wilderness. It says, it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. You hear the renter's mentality in these verses? We can't move into everything God has for us. It's too hard. Let's just stay here. We're comfortable here. And then let's jump back to Numbers 13 too. It says, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. This is the promise of God that they had already received previously. I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. He, he says, this is the land I am giving you, not I might give you, not I'm thinking about giving you, I'll probably give you. God's promise says, I am giving you this land. They sent in 12 spies, one from each tribe, and 10 out of the 12 came back with a bad report. 10 out of the 12 said, we can't do it. It's too hard. There's too many people there. And when you have a Renter's mentality, you might see how positive everything is, but the, the negative always outweighs the positive, and you just start speaking negatively about what God has for you. You'd see how good it is, but you don't think anything that good was ever meant for you. You see the type of person that God wants you to marry, but you think that kind of person is, I'll never, I'll never win over that kind of person. I don't believe that I deserve anyone that good. You can come to church and see the evidence that God is here, but you don't believe you can live a better life. And you say things like, it's always going to be the way it's always been. But that's not God's promise over your life. God doesn't say it has to be the way it's always been. He says that I have a calling and a destiny for you, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You need to know, though, this morning, every time God gets ready to take you to the next level, there's always going to be adversity standing between you and it. 
Jesus saw it on the cross, right? Adversity between where he was and actually the calling and destiny for his life that the Father had intended that he would come and die on the cross to be resurrected. It wasn't easy. There was adversity between him and his destiny. But it takes us saying, you know what? No giant is going to knock me off of my promise. I don't care whose descendants are in the land. I don't care how fortified the cities. If God promised it for me, then I'm not going to focus on any giant in the land. I'm going to focus on how big my God is, not how big my enemy is or what stands against me. Because if God promised it for me, then every promise in his word is yes and amen, and it's mine. Israelites, they couldn't own a thing that God wanted to give them. They complained, and they lived there for 40 years in the wilderness. I want to read one more passage here from Numbers 14, verse 2 through 4. It says, All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So many people are comfortable with where they are because they fear where God wants to take them. You see, actually, there's people that are more comfortable owning slavery than owning freedom. And we get right to the edge of something and we turn back. But you can't be scared of freedom. The Israelites, that instead of taking the freedom that God offered them, they desired to walk back and pick up the shackles themselves and put them on. And this is the the mentality of the Israelites. You know why? Because renting too long makes you feel like an owner. You can start to feel at home. You start to feel like this is all there ever was for me. You ever rented a place and you get real comfortable, you don't own it, but you know you're putting holes in the wall and hanging things, you're putting in like some custom shelving, you're painting rooms. But how many of you know, it doesn't matter how much of your stuff is in that place, it's not yours unless it's yours. And then it's a nightmare when you have to leave and you have to repaint and take all these things down and patch holes and walls. Maybe the trouble with some of your relationships is you rented it and you loved it while you were in it, but when it's over, then you have issues and it's time to leave, but you tried to own something that never belonged to you. And in the words of Beyonce, if you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it because you could have owned it and it could have been yours, but God desires for us to own things. We got to quit renting in our life and start owning and saying, I want everything God has for me. I'm not settling for less. The Israelites were called to own in the promised land. You see, there's three levels I see in the story. The first one is when the Israels were in Egypt and they were brought out, I see deliverance. And then the next level, I see them in the wilderness for 40 years. They're in a stage called development. But then I see two of them who were brave enough to say, you know what, we can own this land. Caleb says we should go and take possession of this land. And he understood that there's another level called destiny. And see, we, we live our lives, um, we, we always praise um, deliverance, and that's awesome, but there's more than that. You've got to know that after we're delivered from our sin and have a relationship with God, there's a development that he wants to do in our lives, but he doesn't want us to stay there forever. We're always going to be developing, but there's something that he wants us to move in and own. And you've got to see in the, in the wilderness, I was thinking about the story, in, actually in Egypt, the Egyptians feed them. In the wilderness, God feeds them. But in their destiny, it was a time for God to say, you know what, actually, this is a time where you're going to start to feed yourself because you're going to own it. And there's some things that you're going to do on this next level that you've never done before. There is a next level for your life. I know you, a lot of you, you probably have people that see it in you. And they, I know, they, they compare you to Simba, right? It's Disney. 
Here we go. You remember the story of, of the Lion King and, and Mufasa takes his son Simba, who's the next king, up to the, the Pride Lands, and they look over this cliff, and he says, everything that you see is your son. And Simba says, what about that dark place over there? Everything the, the light hits is your son. He tells him, he says, what about that dark place over there, Dad? And he says, oh, you're not that, don't go there. That's Nebraska. You don't want to go there. They can't even play football over there. But uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> But, but, could I, but in this, seriously though, the Lord has promised some things to you that you have not moved into. And he says, all of these promises are yours, but you're holding back. He's holding back. He's hiding from what I can't decide. Why won't he be the king? I know he is the king I see inside. Don't leave me hanging. You ready? Can you feel the love tonight? All right, seriously though. Some of you, there is something in you. There's destiny in you and you're holding back and you're hiding and acting like you're living all that God has for you right now. But there is something that he's promised you. There is royalty in you. There is a lion in you wanting to get out. And somebody needs to call it out and say, there's more in you than you're living for now. Just stay out of Nebraska, little Simba. It's terrible over there. Can I tell you, I'm messing around, but there is so much ministry on the inside of you. Untapped potential and gifting. Author Miles Monroe says, some of the wealthiest places on earth are graveyards. So much wasted talent, gifting, anointing that people die. Can I tell you, I know I'm going out of this thing at some point, and I'm going to be in a graveyard, but I'm going out on empty, and I'm giving everything I got for Jesus because there's nothing else I'm going to hold in, onto in my tank. If he wants it for me, then I want it for me. I'm going in to everything, to the next level, everything he has for me. I'm going out broke. You don't have to fear. You can start owning your faith. You can start owning the promises of God in your life. No more renting. Say, God, I want everything that you have for me. I want to take possession of everything you have for me. You are a son or a daughter of God. You own every promise in his word. We need to stop talking in language like, God, can I please uh, get free? Yes, you can ask God, but you know what you need to say? This is mine. I already own it, and I'm taking possession of it. I'm a daughter or a son of God. I don't have to beg. I'm an heir of every promise in his word. It's already mine. I already own it. Nothing's going to stand in my way. No giant in the land is going to hold me back. We get so close, and we turn around. Have you ever done this? Maybe this is just me. No judgment. You ever gotten dressed for the gym? You got your headphones, you take your pre-workout, whatever yourself, but you go to the gym, you're ready to go, you got all the right gear on, it's the right time of day, the gym's not that busy, and you walk in and you go, I'm not feeling it, I'm out of here. And you go back, and you turn back. Can I tell you there are people that do that in their faith? You get right to the edge of what God wants for you. You start getting in community where God wants you to grow and something makes you turn back around and go right back into the renting mentality. You know, things like, uh, my fa- Here's, I wrote down some of my favorites for you. They talked about me. I don't like the way that she looked at me. And all of a sudden, I don't take ownership of everything every God has for me. You know what? They joke around too much at that church. You shouldn't have fun in church. I don't understand it. I don't like that. Or uh, another one is, I could never be used by God because of what I've done. I might as well turn around and go back. Or how about, um, nobody called me when I was hurting. 
Can I tell you, we love you and we want to be there for you. But if you are hurting and need prayer or encouragement, you have a responsibility to let somebody know that you're in need. Not, don't turn around and complain because we care about you. But it's not about you. We will be there for you, but you got to let people know. My favorite of all time is I'm not being fed. Can I tell you, if you're not being fed, then it's because you're not eating. Jesus died 2,000 years ago so that you can eat any time you want. If you're hungry, go get something to eat. You know what? I have no problem feeding a baby because they can't do it themselves, but some of you are 10 years old in your relationship with God. Get up and get yourself something to eat. Sorry, I know, Brad, this isn't funny. Let's get back to being funny, Pastor Brad. You know, I think a lot of times you can come to church to get something. And in the words of Pastor Josh a few weeks ago, when did it become about you? When did it become about you? Can I be really honest and candid with you for a minute this morning? Sometimes I come to church and I feel like a puppet. Sometimes I feel like people want to come and put a quarter in me and just say, preach, Brent, I want to hear you preach. Instead of coming to feed people and to be a part of community, they come to be fed And just to hear me preach. Can I tell you, that's not a church I want to be a part of. I want to be a a church. I don't want to be a part of a club. I want to be a part of a cause. And we have a cause of Jesus Christ. And there is a need. We have a purpose. God has a purpose for you being here other than to be fed. But to feed some people around you. That God has something for you. I've been so radically changed by God, I can't do anything but continue to pour out into other people. you got to find the next level that says, you know what, it's not about me. I realize how good he is, and there are millions of people in this city that need Jesus. It should break our heart to see empty chairs at church. It really should. We have a cause. We have an answer to what ails the community and what the people in my family and my friends. I have an answer in Jesus, and I have empty seats next to me. What in the world? And we, I was talking to Pastor Josh about this this week. Is We rate churches and we say, oh, that's a big church. It's not a big church. There are millions of people in this city that need church. And we say, oh, you have a thousand. That's a big, that's not big. That's tiny in, in light of who needs Jesus in this city. We got to change our scale. God, make us effective. We have a promise. God placed us here for a reason. Let's take this city for Jesus Christ and not settle for being a club or anything like that. We want to feed people. We want to give people what we've received. You know why the Israelites didn't want to go into the promised land? It looked hard. That's all there is to it. It looked hard. They looked in and said, you know what? If we go in there, there's going to be war in there. There's war required for us to take what God has promised us. And I need you to know this morning that the next level to you, it looks hard. I know that. But you need to know you are not going in there by yourself. God is leading the way and you are following him and he does all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is say, God, if you're leading me, I'll follow. He already paid for everything that you need on the cross. You can just walk into what he gave for you and trust him to be with you. But some of you this morning, if you're honest, you're, you're not moving into the next level because you fear what that looks like. God, I know you called me to this, and I know that there's more for my life than I'm living now, but I don't know how to get from here to there. And some of you, you've been surviving off manna in the wilderness in this stage of development, and you got out of Egypt 
and now you're and now you've been in the wilderness for 40 years trying to get Egypt out of you and I think some of you God has told me this morning I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said the manna is getting ready to dry up for some of you the manna is going to dry up so you can move into what everything God has for you so you can go to the next level somebody this morning I believe you're going to lose that job so that you will go into the calling that that job is keeping you from pursuing I know it's not a nice word this morning. I don't expect a lot of amens, but I'm telling you the truth. Somebody's getting ready to go to jail because you won't change unless it dries up. There's a wake-up call coming. The relationship that's holding you back is going to end because some people who are good to you are not good for you, and they can't go with you to where God is taking you, and he's taking you to the next level. The thing that you survived on is driving, drying up so you can move into a life of thriving, from surviving to thriving. That's what God wants for you. We're not, we're not going to survive off manna for the rest of our lives. It's time to wake up and say, God, I can't live off this manna anymore. Some of you manna has been how many people liked or commented or shared or how many follows you got on social media. And you go to bed just as hungry as you woke up because you're looking for validation in other people. You know if you look for validation in other people, then you actually have to go back to them to get it. I need more validation. I got to go back to them. And all of a sudden they own my validation. That's not manna. That's, we cannot survive off that manna. It might taste good for a moment. Some of you, manna has been coming to church out of routine. Coming to church and just and sitting out of routine. And I need you to know this morning, I believe God is saying that manna is going to dry up because mediocre worship will not take you through the next season that I have for you. I have more for you. I have something for you. And it's not going to be easy to continue to be mediocre in your relationship with God and be iffy and be on the fence. God is saying there's revival coming and it's time for your worship to be on another level because God is gonna, has provided you with this meal for long enough and your development as a place where are saying it's time to walk into everything I promised you. It's time to walk into the gifting and calling that I prepared you for. God has been sustaining you and providing manna for you because he's patient, but it's time to move in. Can I get the worship team back up with me? It's time to move into everything you promised me. You know, if you know me, um, some of you know I'm not a coffee person. But around the holidays, I hear so much fuss about pumpkin spice lattes. You know, John, you know, he's guilty. And so I decided a couple months ago, for my, I'm going to go find out for myself what this basic white girl drink tastes like, Okay. And so uh, I, went, I went to Starbucks, and I was with some, some friends, and I said, I'll take a pumpkin spice latte. And you know what the barista said to me? He said, actually, that's a seasonal item. And I looked at him, I said, you better preach, because I believe God is telling some of you that manna that you've been surviving off of, it was good in one season, but that was a seasonal item, and it can't take you into the next season that I have for you. There's something new coming, new season, new manna, new levels, new supply. I'm ready to get me some of that milk and honey. I'm tired of surviving off what other people are feeding me. I want to move into everything he has for me. But the problem is, we won't move in unless our supply dries up. Something's got to change or nothing changes. We get into routines and we have these grooves that we build in our mind. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. You ever driven to work so many times that on Saturday you get in your car and you're trying to go somewhere else, but all of a sudden you realize, I'm on my way to work. 
Or the scary thing happens where you're on your way home from work and you're all of a sudden you, you like, it's like you were asleep and you wake up and you're almost home and you're like, how did I get here? Like, how am I alive right now? Because our mind builds these grooves of the way things always were or the way things always are going to be. You think 60,000 thoughts a day, they say, and 95% of them are the same thoughts you thought yesterday. So something in your life has to change or nothing's going to change. You need an encounter with God. You need something in your life to dry up or you won't move. We see it in the scripture with Elijah. He's running from Jezebel and he's, he's scared and he runs out and, and he sits by this brook and it says that he lives there. And God gives him food fed to him by birds every day. That sounds gross, but he gets fed every day by birds and every day he drinks from this brook. And then one day comes where this brook dries up and he gets mad. Like, what, what's going on, God? Why? You know why? Because he would have sat by that brook for the rest of his life if God would have given him opportunity. And the thing that you thought was a bad thing when that relationship ended, when that, when that person left your life, when that, that job ended, God is saying, if you would, have stayed, you would have stayed there the rest of your life, but I have somewhere else that I have to get you to move into. And if that brook never dried up, you'd still be there. But that had to happen there so that you could get here because I have a new thing for you. We don't need to cry over what happened in the past because it brought you right here where you are right now on the verge of the next level of the next thing that God has for you. I'm going into everything God has promised me. Will you go in with me? Will you say, God, I want everything you have for me. I'm not going to stand on the verge of the promise any longer. I'm moving into it. You know, in the scripture, it only took two men to stand up and say, we can do this. And all of Israel followed. I want to ask you this morning, are there people in here, in this place this morning who will stand and say, God, I'm going into every promise that you have for me. Can we do something different this morning and, and just as a sign to you and to God of the commitment you're making. If you're ready and you're saying, God, I want everything you have for me, I'm going to the next level. Will you stand up to your feet with me this morning? You don't have to. If you don't feel it, then don't do it. I want, I want this to be an authentic moment where you can say to God, God, I want everything that you have for me. I'm getting, God, we're going in and we're believing for every promise in your word, Lord. We're believing that we're here for a purpose, on purpose, and we're not going to waste one more minute sitting by a dried up brook and crying. We're not going to waste one more minute surviving off manna that's drying up, Lord. We're going to say, God, I'm ready to feed myself. I'm ready to walk into everything that you have for me. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're doing a, a fast with our leadership that's starting today. That was actually not even in my mind when I was preparing this message until I was halfway through. But I believe God is saying that this is not a coincidence that the menu is changing. The menu is changing. New levels means new meals, new menu. The thing that you survived off before is not what's going to be getting you through the next season. And as I close this morning, I want to ask you, Next week is Easter, and I just want to ask you to make your heart this week be after the cause of Jesus Christ. That we're not here to be a club. We're not that type of church. Our heart is to love God and to love people and to serve our city. And to do that, I want to ask you to ask God to give you the words to say to somebody. It's the greatest time to invite somebody to church on Easter weekend. More people will say yes on Easter than any time in your life. And if they say no, guess what? It's okay. 
It doesn't matter. It's going to be all right, I promise you. But, but I'm believing that we can have this place packed full next week and there'll be no empty seats to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and lives are going to be changed and it starts now with saying God this week I'm going to survive off a different meal I'm going to I'm not going to look to social media to be filled I'm not going to look to people my husband or my wife to fill me up I'm going to you the menu is changing the old menu hasn't been satisfying you anyways that food is junk if it's not Jesus Christ he's the only one that satisfies I need you to know this morning that when your brook dries up you better know that there's another well that will never dry up and when you feel thirsty, you can run to the living water and say, this is my meal and I'll never thirst again. Father, we believe this morning that there's some people whose venue is changing in this place, God. The brokenness that they've dealt with and the things that have left them behind in their life, God, right now we wipe that away and we say, we just need the living water. That's all I need to survive. Man doesn't live off bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, would you give us that meal this week? Would you give us that meal as we say we're going in? Will you worship him? like it's a triumphant entry in your life, like you're leaving the old place and you're moving into God's promise and there's going to be a war in front of you, but it's okay because he's going with you and he's gone before you. Lord, we thank you for the cross where you showed us that no matter what stands in our way, you've already overcome the world. You said we'll have trouble, but you said take heart for I've overcome the world. Will you worship him? Would the rest of you stand up to your feet? Let's worship him for a couple minutes and just say, God, I'm moving into everything you have for me.